y'all. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Natalie, and I am one of the staff members with Chi Alpha at the University of Memphis. I'm going to start with a little bit of my own personal story. Growing up, I went to a small private Christian school, and like a lot of Christian schools, we had a weekly chapel service. It was like a church service, worship, when we were itty-bitty, you know, we would do like kids' church songs and stuff, and then someone would share a lesson, or we'd watch a video, or do something meaningful and spiritual. And I don't remember a lot of these chapel services. We had them every single Thursday. But there is one in particular that I do remember that is very vivid in my memory. And that was when I was in the fourth grade. I was nine years old, and our principal, who was also a pastor, had, was in charge of this particular chapel service, and he decided to show us a movie, a video, on the, the true story of missionaries who had given their lives for Jesus on the mission field. They had died because they were sharing the gospel with other people. And after the video had finished playing, he asked if anyone in the room felt like God was asking them, calling them to be a missionary. And as a nine-year-old, this is the first time I remember really hearing the voice of Jesus, knowing that Jesus was talking to me. My heart was, like, pounding super fast in my chest, and, like, I just had those, like, sweaty palm feeling when you know that you know that you know that, that you're supposed to respond when God's talking to you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And so I remember sitting there, and it felt like forever. It was probably only a couple seconds, not even a minute, where I was like, am I, am I going to say yes? Jesus is asking me to do this. And our principal had asked us if we felt like God was asking us to be a missionary to, to stand up. And I remember standing to my feet that day and being like, yes, Jesus, if you're calling me to be a missionary, I will be a missionary. And it was, after that, it was solidified in me. And I knew that I knew that I knew that that is what God was calling and asking me to do. Which is really cool, and I'm really excited now, years later, to actually be a missionary on the university campus. But then, I didn't have quite the right understanding or idea of what a missionary was, or, or what missionaries do, or how a missionary is different than any other Christian. You see, I thought that God had called me to something special. And I think... A lot of us have this, especially those of us who have grown up in the church, or maybe even those of us who haven't, have this idea that to go like Jesus, that's what we're talking about this semester, right, is how to be like Jesus, to study the things Jesus did because we want to be more like him. And one of the things Jesus did was go and make disciples. So we have this idea that only a select few do that. Only some people go like Jesus. Only some people are meant to be like Jesus when it comes to making disciples. And no one says this, but a lot of us live our lives this way. It's kind of the undercurrent and, and just the, sets the tone for how we live our lives. That unless God calls me to be a missionary or a pastor or, or maybe even a Sunday school teacher, then I don't have to worry about going like Jesus. I can do everything else like Jesus. I can pray like Jesus, like we've talked about this semester. I can serve like Jesus. I can talk like Jesus. But I don't really need to go like Jesus unless he calls me to be a missionary or a pastor. And no one says this, like I said, but we all often think this. It's kind of like an undercurrent in our Western church world, unfortunately. And so I grew up with this idea that I was special and I was one of the select few chosen who got to, or was going to someday when I became a missionary, go like Jesus. But the more I study the Bible, I find that that isn't true. That that idea or that undercurrent does not come from the Bible. It doesn't come from the Word of God. When we study Jesus' life, we find that his life is full of going to make disciples. That was the whole purpose of his life. 
And if we are all called, we've talked about all semester long, how we are all called to be imitators of Christ, that we're all called to be like Christ. So we are all called to go and make disciples. We are all called to go like Jesus. So I want to say right off the bat, that if you've kind of had that idea, maybe you haven't even thought it, but it's behind some of the decisions you made and stuff, that like, oh, I don't need to make disciples, or I don't need to go like Jesus, unless he calls me into ministry, then just push that out of your mind right now. If you need to like dive deeper into that later, you can. But I want to make sure that we know, as we walk into studying this tonight, that this applies to all of us. Every single one of us are called to go like Jesus. If you're a believer, then you're called to go like Jesus, to make disciples like Jesus. Okay. So like I said, Jesus' life is all about going, right? I mean, that's the whole reason he came to the earth, was to make disciples, to save us, so that people could know him. So when I was studying and deciding what I wanted to talk about tonight, I had a really hard time coming up with a passage that I wanted to focus on. Because like, Almost every single passage about Jesus in the Gospels is about Jesus going and making disciples. Like, that's his whole life. So I decided, what better place to start than in the very beginning? The very beginning of Jesus' life. So if you have your Bible or a device that you're not watching on and you can open an app and and flip to Luke chapter 2, that's what we're going to be reading from tonight. Um, If not, just listen. If you want to follow along, we're in Luke 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. And it says... In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. Alright, so like I said, this is the very beginning of Jesus' life, right? And honestly, only one verse, that very last one, verse 7, talks about Jesus himself. Right? Let's let's read that last verse again. Verse 7. It says, She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Okay, so of that whole passage, one verse about Jesus, about Jesus being born. And we're going to take from that and we're going to learn from that what it means to go like Jesus tonight. Alright? Let's take a second to pray really quick. Jesus, I just pray that your words uh, would flow through me tonight and that we wouldn't be distracted and that we would uh, have our hearts open to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what's the first thing that we can learn from Luke chapter 2, from Jesus being born? Very first off, Jesus took action. He did something, okay? Does it specifically say that in this verse? No, but we know some backstory, right? We know that Jesus is fully God, right? Yes, he came as a baby and as man, but he's fully God. So Jesus, who's fully God, was in heaven with all the comforts of heaven, all the great things, more than we could even imagine, right? Heaven is is indescribable, unimaginable. He had everything. Not only did he have comfort, he had rights as God. I mean, God created the universe. He spoke it into existence. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. There are no restrictions on him, right? Yet God, Jesus, gave up that to become man. 
there's a verse in, in Philippians 2 where Paul is talking about Jesus. And he said that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That means he didn't, he didn't think it necessary. He chose not to hold on to his equality, his rights, his privileges as God. But he let them go. He willingly let them go. He chose to take action for the sake of us coming to know him. Okay, not only, right, did he choose to take action by coming as a man, he chose to come as a baby, right? And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But I want to talk a little bit first about later in Jesus' life, times that he took action, where he didn't just passively wait for people to come to him, but he took action in calling people to follow him, right? So we know that he called the 12 disciples. He went out and he chose specific people, he, Peter and James and, and John and Matthew and, and so many others. He went up to them and he said, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Leave behind your old life and come follow me. That was action. He didn't wait for them to come to him. He went to them and said, will you come? Will you leave behind what you were doing and follow me instead? We know there's the story in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus sends out the 70 two by two. And there's this verse that we've actually been talking about in Caiapha a lot lately because we've been praying for Jesus to send workers to the harvest field, to send missionaries, to send people to make disciples where he isn't known. And this verse comes from Luke chapter 10. And Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers to the harvest field. Right? And we, we know that verse and we apply that verse and we pray. A lot of us pray at 10.02 every single day for God to send workers to the harvest field. But where do we find that verse? Right at the beginning of Jesus telling the 70 to go out two by two. So he says, go, pray, and then he says, go again. And he sends them out. So I think sometimes we have this idea that I can pray and give or I can go myself. And that's not entirely entirely true, right? God calls us, every single person, not us as a church, every single individual, to both pray and to go and make disciples. We are called to pray and to make disciples, not to do one or the other or to choose what is convenient for us. We, we need to take action like God has commanded us to, Jesus commanded them to, to take action by praying and to take action by going. We also know the Great Commission, right? In Matthew 28, right before Jesus finishes his life on earth and goes up to heaven, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay, what is that verse full of? Verbs. What are verbs? Actions. He says, Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. Like, if we're going to make disciples, the primary verb in that verse is make disciples. If we're going to make disciples then we have to take action. We have to go. We have to teach. We have to baptize. We can't just sit around and, and wait. We have to be like Jesus and get up and do something about it. We have to be willing to do and not passively wait on people to come to us and ask us about our faith. That's not how Jesus did it. He left everything to go. Okay, and that brings me to the second thing that we can learn from this verse. You know, we already started talking about how Jesus left behind the pleasures of heaven, the rights he had as God to become a man, and not only a man, but a baby. And then not only a baby, but a baby who was born and had spent his first night in a feeding trough. Like, 
This thing that animals ate out of, that's what he slept his first night. Jesus is the greatest picture of someone denying themselves. Right? So that's the second thing tonight. First, God, Jesus, took action. Second, he denied himself. If we want to make disciples, we must choose to deny ourselves comfort and privileges. Okay, to what extent did Jesus deny himself? We said, okay, he came as a man. He gave up the rights as God. Okay, then he came as a baby. You all know that I have, have Kendrick, my four-month-old son, almost four months. Okay, he cannot do anything for himself. Like, he can't even roll over yet. He can't feed himself. A lot of times, he can't even put himself to sleep. He needs help doing that. Like, he is the definition of helpless. He needs help. He needs to rely on someone to do everything for him. That's how Jesus chose to come to this earth. That's how important going is to Jesus. That's how important we are to Jesus. And so if Jesus viewed us as that important, as relationship, him having relationship with us as that important to leave behind his old life, to leave behind comforts and pleasures and privileges, and come totally dependent on other people, flawed people, people who were not perfect like, like he is as God. He came dependent. He denied himself. He left behind everything for the sake of us knowing him. Who are we to hang on to things that are comforting to us or that, that just feel good to us instead of letting them go so that other people can come to know Jesus? Right? And we said he was born in, an, in a stable, in a manger, a feeding trough. That's what he slept in his very first night. Like, he could have chosen to come today, you know, when he would be born in some, in Western world, in some posh hospital, and sleep in a $1,200 baby bassinet that they make now. But is that how he came? No, he gave up everything to come and sleep in dirt and in grime because that's how much he loved us and how much he valued us over the things that he could have chose to hang on to, all right? So making disciples is more important. It's a greater call than our comfort and our, our just feeling good, our being happy, so to say, right? In Luke chapter 9, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, you must deny yourself. He says, he tells them, to say no to themselves. That's what deny yourself means. He says you must deny yourself, take up the cross, and, excuse me, he says to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Okay, when he says deny yourself, he means say no to the things that you want. Say no to sleeping in an extra hour so that you can get up and pray for people. Say no to buying a new video game or a new pair of jeans so that you can support a missionary on a monthly basis. Say no to living off campus with your best friends who already know Jesus so that you can live in a residence hall and intentionally reach out to your formates and your roommates so that they can come to know Jesus. Right? Following Jesus, going like Jesus to make disciples is all about saying no to what we want so we can say yes to what Jesus wants. We are called to say no to anything that distracts us from the purpose of making disciples, that distracts us from the purpose of going like Jesus. Right? So in this season, what better season is there to learn how to deny ourselves, to lose our lives, to set things aside? If 
we can learn to deny ourselves in this season of social distancing and to instead focus on Jesus rather than our own comfort to making ourselves feel good, then I believe when this thing is over, making disciples will become more natural to us than it ever has been before. Why? Because we're in relationship with Jesus. We've learned to say no to what we want and yes to what he wants. What better time to practice that than now? Do you know in Luke chapter 6, I mentioned before Jesus called the disciples to come to him. And in Luke chapter 6, it says before he did that, that he spent the entire night praying. He denied himself a night of sleep, a night of comfort, a night of, of restoration and physical rest. And I'm not saying stay up all night every night. No, but Jesus denied himself that to be sure that he was sure that he was sure that he was calling the people who God the Father wanted him to follow. Wanted him to call to follow him. Right? He gave up luxuries. He gave up pleasures. He gave up even just normal comforts. Normal things that we need. We need sleep. He chose to give it up because that's how important it was to him to do the will of the Father in calling the disciples. Because what if we treated this season, this season of social distancing, of being at home more in a way and having less to do and less things to distract us as our night of prayer before calling disciples? What if we chose to spend this extra time we have denying ourselves, denying ourselves hours binging Disney Plus or Netflix or Hulu or whatever your choice is, deny ourselves hours of scrolling and and making memes and talking about the same thing over and over and over and over again that honestly is just instigating fear in some of us? What if we read a couple less news articles so that we could spend time praying, and not just praying for ourselves and our health and our comfort, but so that people would come to know Jesus through this, so that when this is over, that we would be the best disciple makers that we have ever been. And that we would call the people into discipleship specifically that God has prepared. That in this season, he's preparing them. And he's preparing us. Guys, let's not just treat this as a break from making disciples, but as intensive time to deny ourselves and choose Jesus. What's the third thing that we can learn from this verse in Luke about who Jesus is, about Jesus coming to earth? It's that Jesus was in it for the long haul, right? I keep saying it. He came as a baby. Okay, but he came as a baby. He started preaching, doing his, like, public ministry at age 30. He was on earth for 33 years. Like, that's a long time. He didn't just come and was here for a couple months. Okay, I accomplished a task and I'm gone. And not only that, the Bible tells us that God's plan from the very beginning of time was to send Jesus. He knew that he, knew that he was going to come. That he was going to leave things behind, that he was going to go to earth for our sake, to be in relationship with him. This was the plan from the get-go. God calls us to persevere, no matter how difficult it gets, and no matter what our lives look like. To set things aside, to follow him, to persevere in making disciples. Going like Jesus means that our whole life is about making disciples. Not just portions of it. Oh, I'll make disciples, you know, for the two years I'm a leader in Kyle Flood, and I'm going to set it aside. No, that's not what Jesus calls us to. Our whole life, Jesus' entire life was about making disciples. It was the purpose of his life. The purpose of our life is to make disciples. That means we persevere. We choose to be in it for the long haul. No matter what we're facing, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter what is going on around us or inside of us, We know that our purpose, that God has called us to go, to make disciples, and we're going to do that. If we are intentional about combining taking action 
and denying ourselves with persevering. That going like Jesus, or in other words, making disciples like Jesus, won't just be a thing we do, but instead it will become our life's work. Right? Instead of being a student who happens to make disciples on the side, we will be a disciple maker who is a student. Right? Instead of being a waitress or a waiter or, I don't know, whatever job you have, a personal assistant who happens to also make disciples, we will be a disciple maker in those settings. Are you making disciples of your managers, of your co-workers, of your clients, your customers? Like, if it's our primary identity is to be a disciple maker, then everything else will flow out of that instead of it being something that we just tack in. See, the more like Jesus would become, the more being a disciple maker will become part of our identity. So with that in mind, there's one more thing I have to mention before we wrap up tonight. And that's in John chapter 15. Jesus says these words. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so to go like Jesus, we learned tonight that we have to take action, that we have to deny ourselves, and we have to persevere. But unless we are daily abiding, daily spending extravagant time with Jesus, none of that will matter, and we won't actually make disciples. If we want to be fruitful, we must first prioritize our relationship with Jesus, and then allow those other three things to naturally flow out of our time with Jesus. So how do we apply this? How do we apply these things in this season? I think I already gave us some good examples and some, some good thoughts, especially when it comes to denying ourselves. But there's some questions I want to ask of us tonight. Some things that we can think about and choose how we're strategically going to spend the next couple weeks, the rest of this semester, so that we are being intentional about making disciples even while we're at home. So first of all, like I just said, are you spending extravagant daily time with Jesus? That should be your first priority. You know, you have less time with your friends. You probably are, maybe you're spending less time in school. Maybe you aren't working now. You have more time. How much more of that time have you given to your relationship with Jesus? That should be your first priority. All of our first priority. So if not, if you're not spending extravagant daily time with Jesus, then focus there. Do that first. Figure out how to do that in this season so that it flows over when this is all over. Secondly, what action is God calling you to take to go make disciples? What do you need to physically do? Okay, don't tell me, oh, I'm trapped at home, there's nothing I can do. You can FaceTime friends. If you're still going to work, you can be very intentional about the conversations that you're having with your coworkers and the other people in your workplace. You could even invite people, maybe it was classmates or friends or roommates or whoever, who couldn't come to your life group before because they had class during during that time. But now they can jump on Zoom or FaceTime or however you're having life group and be a part of it. Maybe there's people who weren't interested in life group before, but if you invite them now, they will be because they need something to hang on to during this time of uncertainty. So I encourage you to take action. What action do you need to take today? Third question I want to ask us tonight, where is the Holy Spirit prompting us to deny ourselves? I gave some examples earlier of what that looks like, so I'm not going to repeat them, but I want all of us to be open to what the Holy Spirit is speaking. 
So right now, as I'm talking, like if there's something that the Holy Spirit is prompting you and He's saying, I want you to give this up. I want you to deny yourself this right, this pleasure during this season or, or for however long, then I encourage you not to brush that aside, but to take a second and write it down. Maybe even throw it in the comments so that uh, we can hold each other accountable to denying ourselves some of the pleasures Instead, we would, so instead we can be following Jesus and going like Jesus. And then the last question I want to ask us tonight is, who do we need to persevere with? I know that there are people and in groups on campus and, and in our lives in general that Jesus has called us to reach out to. And just because we're not physically there, physically on campus or physically with those people, doesn't mean that the calling goes away. There's, there's callings and there's people who we have begun making disciples of, and it's not over. So if that's you, then my challenge to you tonight is to take some time before you, you're done for the day, before you go to, to bed, Asking the Holy Spirit to give you both perseverance and creative ideas. What creative ideas can the Holy Spirit breathe into you to reach out to those people? To not give up, but to persevere through the difficulty and through the trial of making disciples even though we're socially distanced. Let's take a second to, to pray before we wrap up tonight. Jesus, right now I just pray that first we would choose you, that you would be the greatest priority of our life. And then after that, that we would choose to take action and that we would choose to deny ourselves, and that we would choose to persevere. God, would you give us creative ideas on what it means to reach out to people around us and to reach out to the people that we were reaching out to previously before this whole thing happened, so that people may come to know you, so that students may know you, and we may become disciple-makers, that our life's mission may be going like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.